Welcome to Creative Biolab Science Channel. As an experienced expert and reliable partner, Creative Biolabs is proficient in lipid-based drug delivery and functional liposome development. With versatile methods, diverse products, superior quality, and fast turnaround, we are confident to provide optimum solutions tailored to boost your R&D projects. Dear friends in the audience, you are welcome to listen to our program on time every Saturday night. As our sharing guest, Dr. Smith came to our program today as promised. There is a lot of interesting knowledge waiting for us to explore. I believe everyone is looking forward to his arrival. Let's welcome Dr. Smith with warm applause. Would you say hello to our audience, Dr. Smith? Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Beth. It is quite nice to see you again. Thank you for your invitation. I'm very excited to be here. In our last episode, we mentioned multiple strategies for delivering DNA liposomes complexes to the lungs. By summarizing the results of multiple studies, we found that transfection efficiency and gene expression can be optimized for pulmonary administration. In addition, an important observation is that transfection efficiency is not related to lipid toxicity. However, the relevant mechanism research is still vacant. Therefore, the application of these transfection strategies in the human body is still limited. Today, we'll explore other kinds of routes of administration and some of the findings of genosome transfection into humans. Where do we start, Dr. Smith? At the very beginning, I would like to introduce a new DNA delivery system called Cochleate. It is a lipid-based drug delivery system, consisting of solid particles composed of large continuous lipid bilayer sheets. Cochleates roll up in a helical structure with little or no internal water phase. These are helical coils of highly negatively charged bilayers in which divalent calcium ions bridge the negatively charged surfaces together. The current findings show that in vivo, genes are delivered via intramuscular and oral routes, and DNA is encapsulated in cochleates. The biggest advantage of this system is that they wrap DNA very efficiently, making it resistant to nuclease degradation. What did the researchers observe after intramuscular injection and oral administration of these formulations? They observed induction of antigen-specific splenocyte helper T-cell proliferation. It indicates that oral administration may be a better route of administration. However, harmful conditions in the stomach and digestive tract, especially low pH in the presence of digestive enzymes and bile salts will rapidly dissolve and decompose lipid particles, liposomes, peptides, proteins, and nucleic acids. If these particles can pass through these conditions unharmed, they or active components can be adsorbed by the Peyer's plaque composed of phagocytic epithelial cells. Transfection through the mucosal surface as another way to enter cells is becoming more and more interesting. The oral route also offers the possibility of transfecting bacteria in the human digestive tract to secrete various proteins that can be absorbed through the digestive tract. Based on fusion induction as an important step in gene expression, we can say that cochleates may represent freeze-fusion intermediates. The topical route of administration refers to the application of the drug to the skin or mucosal surfaces of the eye, ear, nose, mouth, vagina, etc., either only on the surface or within the skin or mucosal layer. As far as I know, the topical route of administration is also a route of interest. However, cationic detergents are known to irritate the skin. Why even consider this route of administration? 
One reason is that cationic lipids can act as penetration enhancers and systems, extending the time to localization at the application site. Some enhancement of skin penetration can be achieved if the cationic lipids are well mixed with the skin lipids. So-called formulations that increase penetration into the skin, such as transfer bodies, can also be tried. A simple thing is to wrap cationic gene bodies with neutral or anionic lipids and track penetration and gene expression. Hair follicles may be simple targets with multiple potential applications. Another possibility is to concentrate DNA and complex it with anionic lipids containing penetration enhancers via multivalent cations. Are there any examples of studies in which genes are expressed in recipient cells via the topical route of administration to the skin? Sure. Studies are using conventional liposome and DNA coding techniques and topical administration. It was found that the reporter gene was expressed in mouse hair follicle bulb stromal cells. The liposome DNA complex with the reporter gene can rapidly penetrate the skin and is expressed in the epidermis, dermis, and hair follicle. These results suggest the possibility of a topical approach for several gene therapy applications, ranging from skin diseases to delivery systems with systemic effects. Examples include hereditary and other skin diseases, epidermal synthesis, the release of factor IX and apolipoprotein E, and treatment of baldness. However, many well-controlled experiments, as well as the discovery of the genes themselves, must be performed before a cure for hair loss can be found. Most infections pass through all external body surfaces except the skin, such as the mucous membranes of the mouth, sublingual, gastrointestinal tract, genitals, etc. Could this inform topical delivery of liposome DNA complexes? Definitely. Transfection through the mucosa may be a more important route of entry than through the skin. Compared with many studies on transfection efficiency under different conditions, the understanding of the transfection mechanism is not much. Just like in vitro work, not only the physico-chemical characteristics of genosomes, but also their biological fate, such as stability, pharmacokinetics, and biological distribution in plasma, have not been studied. There is no doubt that these studies will have to be carried out to optimize the system and understand the mechanism of transfection. So, what kinds of cells can be considered as transfection targets? If it is administered systemically, it is mainly vascular endothelial cells. For example, lung cells, fixed macrophages, liver cupfer cells, and spleen cells. If the genosome size is less than 100 nanometers, it is a hepatocyte. For intramuscular injection, it is evident that mainly muscle cells are transfected. Its mechanism is still unclear. It is well known that the injection site has a large influence on the extent and pattern of gene expression. While the mechanism by which DNA enters cells is unclear, for example, simply reversibly mechanically puncturing the membranes of these large cells could explain the large differences between horizontal and vertical injections into the muscle. It's not impossible. Along these lines, including that some may be trapped during subsequent trauma or its bioremediation, the observed uptake of naked DNA is understandable. Why is it unclear whether the expression in these tissues simply reflects the expression of macrophages in these tissues? Because there are not many cells phagocytosed under normal circumstances. Alternatively, some still unknown internalization processes may be at work. It has long been demonstrated by researchers that cationic liposomes can be taken up by red blood cells that are incapable of phagocytosis. 
Likewise, there are in vitro studies showing that muscle uptake of DNA is saturated. This suggests that there may be an active, yet undiscovered, entry mechanism. Other transfected cells included lung epithelial cells smeared in the lungs and epidermal cells and hair follicles smeared topically. Some of these cells may have very specific uptake mechanisms. After all these years of research, little is known about the mechanism of cell entry. This clearly emphasizes the importance of basic research and gene transfection research. In terms of improving transfection efficiency and reporter gene expression, have subsequent studies yielded surprising results? Sure. Through the researchers' efforts, the expression of certain reporter genes in cells increased by about a thousandfold after transfection. This is thanks to more efficient plasmids. New expression constructs can be thousands of times more powerful than earlier expression constructs, and more efficient lipids will emerge for transfection. The nature of the lipids and the charge ratio of the complexes must be optimized for each cell line and route of administration in laboratory animal experiments. Recent live data from lung transfections also showed a 100,000-fold improvement over earlier experiments. As you put it, it feels like this transfection is even on par with adenovirus. Does it mean that liposomes can be used instead of adenovirus for transfection? Infeasible. We have to realize that in the lung or cell culture, the same level of expression is achieved by about 10,000 times smaller concentrations of viral constructs. Under normal circumstances, the infection index of adenovirus is around 100. This means that most cells exposed to about 100 viral particles per cell become infected. Similar levels of genomic expression were obtained when millions of copies of the plasmid were used. From what I understand, at the moment, in terms of in vivo testing, from safety to the source of in vivo activity, we must say that rigorous mechanism, pharmacokinetics, biodistribution, and toxicity testing has yet to be done. What needs to be done to rigorously measure expression in vivo? Time and dose-dependent studies of injected genosomes must be performed. For example, when measuring cat protein during systemic administration, blood cat levels should also be measured. The presence of cat indicates slow death of the transfected cells as it is a non-secretable protein. For this reason, and possibly gene expression in blood cells, blood must be drawn for each tissue measured. Time dependence of expression may rule out the possibility of transfected cell death. For example, the large drop-in transfection rate between day 1 and day May 2nd be due to this. An immune response takes at least two weeks to develop. Genetically engineered mice provide many valuable models in this regard. Samples must also be checked for contamination with live bacteria, fungi, and other microorganisms. What are the causes of possible artifacts during transfection? There are two parts to the reason. Mass genosome injections typically reach 20-25% to 25 of blood volume within one second. This can cause capillary blockage or even reversible rupture. And not all capillaries are elastic enough to withstand this stress. In the case of reversibility, ruptured genomic bodies may invade blood vessel wall cells or other cells below. This suggests that transfection may also be a function of injection rate and volume. Another possible artifact of intravenous administration is the blockage of small capillaries by large aggregated complexes. This may result in localized transfection due to physical, chemical, or biological damage to the area. How can these situations be avoided? 
pulmonary flooding due to topical installation should be avoided. Excessive use or excessively high toxic lipids may lead to local inflammation and transient expression due to the recruitment of macrophages. In addition, DNA degradation and genosome aggregation in such systems should be carefully examined. After anti-tumor response and safety studies, what have been the results of the study of injecting genosomes into humans? Phase 1 clinical studies in humans have shown that liposomes are safe in patients with melanoma and partial responses have been observed. Five patients with HLA-B7 negative advanced melanoma were compounded with the HLA-B7 gene in proportion to liposomes and entered a phase I-2 study. Biopsy of five patients showed HLA-B7 gene expression. B7-specific and CTL cells were detected in two patients, and regression of both the injected lesion and distant lesions was the only response. No DNA antibodies or plasmids were detected in the blood. This study is the first in vivo gene therapy protocol and the first non-viral gene transfer study. It determined the feasibility, safety, and therapeutic potential of this treatment. What are the therapeutic directions of the research on genosome transfection into humans? Most studies involve cancer protocols. Mainly in vitro and in vivo immunotherapy, prodrug therapy, tumor suppressor, chemoprotection, and antisense therapy. This is followed by alternative strategies for genetic and infectious diseases. In terms of results, though, it's too early to conclude. There are no clear conclusions about whether and when gene therapy will lead to new medical treatments. That is all. We are almost done with a review of the in vitro and in vivo gene expression of DNA lipid complexes. So much for our content today. Thanks to Dr. Smith for his wonderful science popularization. Thank you for listening. There will be more interesting knowledge waiting for us in the next program. See you next time. Thank you. I hope we will see you next time.